0: Welcome to the YAM Podcast. My name is Nala Harpain, and I am your host. Welcome to another Thursday episode of the YAM Podcast. We are here every Thursday, guys. Just so you know, every week we are here. Today, we are going to begin our Bliss series, which in the very beginning of our episodes, if you didn't catch it, We shared that we wanted to talk a little bit about how mothers have started like businesses whilst they were mothering, so to inspire you guys to start your own businesses if that's what you're into. But a lot of the moms in the interviews with the Mama Comfort Toolkit were sharing with me that. They were feeling a lot of loss of identity and they didn't know what to do or they felt like what they did before and who they are and what they are now is different. Just the changing identities of motherhood is something that made them rethink about like what they want to do in their life. So for anyone who wants to start being an entrepreneur or start a business or something like that. This episode is going to be amazing for you to see all the struggles or the things that go behind the scenes of a mother trying to start her business. And we have Elika Manny in the building. If you haven't heard her music before, OM to the Jizzle again, you need to definitely listen to it because it's amazing if you've ever heard me chant a prayer right before a yoga class or a yoga session or live session on the membership portal it's almost 90 percent chance that i'm actually chanting her music so definitely if you're intimate with yoga Vikma, you've definitely heard her songs before and her melodies that she composed so without further ado here is elika manny hi everyone welcome to the yam podcast my name is nahal hachmin and i am your host and today we are starting for the very first time our bliss series i don't know if you knew this elika but you are our first mm-hmm. bliss series guest and our bliss series sorry i'm honored yay me too i'm like i'm really happy that you're actually the first one doing this so our Bliss series is essentially our series on the podcast where we go, we do a deep dive into people's like business and entrepreneurship and things of how going behind the scenes of like people essentially. And this person, I think many of my listeners will know, and I'm going to actually introduce her. Maybe from, your, from her bio, you'll know her. But Elika Moni is a, actually, you're probably going to have to, at one point, fix the last name because everyone's going to call you Elika Mahoney. So h- how do you say it?
1: It's actually Manny.
0: It's Manny. an Irish
1: pronunciation.
0: All right. So it's Elika Manny guys, everyone get it together. Okay. <laughs> Including myself. <laughs> so Elika Manny is a musician and an artist. Her passion is creating Baha'i inspired music that uplifts the soul and nourishes the spirit. She has released 11 albums on varying themes from the Baha'i Writings, and she told me this before, it was about like 1,300 songs, 11 albums, but correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you did two other albums. About 130 songs. 130, okay, I just added a zero to it, but 130 is still (laughs) a lot. 130 is still a lot. (laughs) Don't worry, I just times 10 by everything. Her most recent release is titled The Divine Mystery in Honor of Abdu'l-Baha. So you can find her, find Elika's music on her website, www.elikamani.com. Manny, excuse me, elikamani.com. Okay, so we have a little bit about her background because it's really interesting. She is a vocalist, a composer, a pianist, and an artist, and actually you are more things than that you're an organizer and like many other things you create so much stuff but we'll get into that Elica considers herself a world citizen her parents are from iran she was born in the u.s raised in kenya like my sister-in-law and now lives in china Elica's love of music began when she was a child growing up in africa In between she has lived in Israel and Hong Kong, her music beautifully expresses the diverse cultures that have been a part of her upbringing, blending and reflecting the influences of this varied background, drawing upon classical Western structures, but incorporating instrumentation and styles from Iran to Ireland and China to Spain. I need to hear more about this Ireland bit because I was not aware of this. Elika studied classical piano from the age of five and its influence can be heard in the stunning instrumental pieces that she began composing when she was in college. It was at the same time that Elika began singing and setting the Baha'i writings to music. Actually, this is a good place to start because I wanted to ask you when it all began, like when did all this begin? Because I know before when I invited you on the podcast, I was like saying that, okay, the podcast is mostly for moms, but we do have this specific bliss series where we interview like entrepreneurs and you're like the, actually this is, this works out really well because you're like a good blend of both. So like we're going to segue away from motherhood, but also I'm sure motherhood's going to be in there. So start us from the beginning. How did this start? <laughs> When did this begin? Like, when do you remember, when was the first time you set music to the Baha'i writings?
1: So that started in university, because I had a classical background, learned classical piano from a young age. But it wasn't until I went to university that With the inspiration of a couple of friends who would sing with me in harmony, I would go to the piano room when I wasn't studying and I would, I didn't have my classical notes. Mm. And so I just, and I missed playing the piano. So I would just play what came to my heart and Mm. that classical bringing those it was in my bones so I felt like I could remember some of those pieces but I was playing something modern and new thinking about the classical pieces so it was blending what I from the past with the present and the, that's how the compositions start because I didn't start before university i didn't have oh, wow. any knowledge of composition and i actually did not study music in university i studied something completely different so what was it, it? it was interdisciplinary studies so it was, edu- it was a little bit of education social social studies and a little psycho- psychology and education i could make my own major mm-hmm. so i blended different subjects into one Nice.
0: So you took, so it was the, you took one class of composition and that's where basically it all began.
1: No classes in composition, but I had classical training in the piano growing up from age five. And so I had a teacher who would come once a week and train me to play the piano. But in university, I did not take, I took a choral class, but there was Hmm. no training so to speak in voice or composition
0: so yeah. it was really just like freestyling with your friends essentially and like it was just using the university as like a grounds to milk their piano essentially <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, right? we would sing at baha'i gatherings in university there was one friend that i would sing with fiona a very dear friend who i'm still very close to and we would perform at Baha'i feasts and holy days. And then eventually friends started saying, we want to hear these recordings. Can you record them for us? And at that time there were these tape decks. We didn't have, oh, wow. we didn't even have <laughs> CDs. Wow. So we would, rec- I would record them on tape so that I could remember some of them until then I met another friend when I transferred to a- another university and then final year of university after I got married we decided to record it all and Mm. that was a parting gift for the three of us and then we could share that with the community.
0: So that was your first album is that one of the one of the albums that you count as recorded?
1: Melodies of the Nightingale was the first album with Fiona Duman my friend and Michelle Brown. Yeah, so we sang harmony, and the three of us actually composed the pieces. So were they on
0: piano too, or was there other instruments involved?
1: There was guitar, so both of them play guitar. I played the piano, and some of them we sing solo, but mostly harmonies
0: together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love your harmony songs. So tell me how this started becoming like the main thing you did. Did you have a job after you went like university or did you start popping out babies like right afterwards? What happened? Yeah,
1: (laughs) after university, I, I got married the semester before I graduated. And then we moved to Hong Kong. After about a year of settling in Hong Kong, I... Tara's arrived, our firstborn, and uh, so I was not working at the time. I was just getting my bearings mom. around a new country, a new culture, and then became a mother full time. Yeah, but I think from the time the first album was released, it unleashed something within me. As it was only a few years later that that I released Melodies of the Nightingale for the family and that Mm -hmm. one had prayers for parents yes I wanted to do it with my friends but I don't think they were available at the time I forget what happened but now I was in Hong Kong yeah Uh, they were in the U.S. it was difficult long distance and uh, since I was singing prayers and composing prayers for My son and my parents and marriage, Mm -hmm. pregnancy. I included those on the album. nice.
0: Nice. Family package. So uh, where did it continue? I remember you were telling me a story about when your daughter was born. So that was the second. So how many years apart are they? They're three years apart. Three years apart. So from your firstborn, after... So firstborn happened, then you released the second album. But then by the... Second child, how many albums had you released by then?
1: So the first one was 1997 second one was 2001. Amelia was born in 2000.
0: Uh-huh. So it was the year was, after she was
1: born. It was the year after she was born. But the recording of it was happening. Yeah, I remember she was seven months old. I was telling you this story balancing work and parenting and I had invited the producer to come from Hong Kong to Beijing. We were in Beijing at the time. We had moved. He was coming just for the weekend to record 16 songs. Oh, wow. And live. So it's not that I would just play the piano first. We'd record. We didn't do it the traditional way where you record one thing at a time. Yeah. And then you layer it and you can edit it. We actually did it live it was a live recording oh my gosh so that from the time that i he pressed record i would play and sing at the same time and everything had to be perfect Refresh, we couldn't yeah. stop midway <laughs>
0: yeah if it was it 16 was so songs you probably had you had to probably sing it so many more times just to get it right
1: i had to practice 16 songs in one weekend so maybe i Ooh. would could only sing a couple of times to get it right
0: so The producer came you had to practice 16 songs and straight the night he arrived
1: my daughter had a high fever and i thought to myself what am i going to do because i i had to be up all night taking care of her making sure that her fever would come down she was alive (laughs) and yeah and i knew that i also needed rest for this monumental weekend coming up. Yeah. So I just prayed and prayed that everything would be all right the morning. Very little sleep. We basically started and I was, I started singing. And miraculously, I could sing some really high notes that I wasn't usually able to sing. And I thought maybe Mm. because I was up all night, my voice, was (laughs) was re- <laughs> stretched
0: <laughs> to different oh, octaves
1: i don't know it just oh. i felt like it was a little gift that i'd been given hmm. because i was a i was sacrificing that evening that night of course for my child but i knew that this was also important that i needed to be refreshed and so i prayed and yeah. miraculously it just came together so that was one of those that was one of those moments i realized that sometimes we just don't know how we're gonna cope and it's those times yeah. when we turn to the light that we receive a, an abundance of help
0: them probably was going to be like a better album then had you not gotten sleep and stretched your voice or vocal cords or something like
1: that i was wired so
0: yeah i was ready
1: to go like get this album done my baby's fine I'll get this album done and she was young she was really yeah. little
0: okay cool so that was a horrific night how many more of these horrific nights did you have with motherhood or with music or both
1: well when the kids were here i was really able to manage my time in that they were priority you have a priority list in life and they were at the top of my list and then there was the service and family juggling with each other at the Mm -hmm. top and then the music came in third oh it was only on those occasions where i actually had to record that it had to become a priority but Besides that, the only challenge, not only, but I would say a big challenge would come when I was raising the kids and I would feel this urgency to, adhere hear a melody and I'd feel an urgency to record it. Mm. And for example, we were celebrating a Yamaha as a family mm-hmm. and we were making this gingerbread Every year, we make a gingerbread house as mm-hmm. a family for Ayamaha, and then we eat it on Noruz. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a so long wait, it is a long wait, actually. Patience that pick at it over the years, you know, you'd see this half crumbled house by Noruz. But one year, I remember I just heard this melody and these specific words that I wanted to set to music. So I said to the kids and to my husband, I said, I'm so sorry, I need to get this recorded now, because if I don't record it at this moment, I will lose it because you hear a melody and inspiration comes and goes. And if you don't grasp it, it, if you don't open that door, it's Mm -hmm. going to move on and that's it. Yeah. And so I knew, and it's also very intuitive. I knew that I had to take the time and spend an hour or so and make a demo. Of course, it wasn't the final recording, but just, yeah. I have a humble studio in my home, so I was able to record it.
0: Okay. So I want to know now it's like a, I don't want to say conglomeration. This is, that might not be the right word. But there's a lot of things going on for you at the same time. Like you got the website, you got Patreon, you got other things that I don't even know about. Actually, can you tell us like what all, what are all the things that you have going on? So that people know that you're like, you're not only, you don't only just do music. Maybe that's the thing that people know you for, but there's mm-hmm. actually a lot that that you do. So tell us.
1: Yeah. Okay. So music is primary. And then I have two shops, one on Etsy and one on Shopify. The Shopify is actually on my website where I sell merchandise, meaningful gifts that uplift the spirit, basically. So beaded bookmarks. Have some examples.
0: Bookmarks beaded okay. bookmarks,
1: prayer book covers, prayer beads, greatest name, embossed stamps, those sorts of things. And then I also Actually, I have a third shop. <laughs> it's an art shop on Etsy, but I have not been very active because I realize that we go in phases in our lives. There are sometimes mm-hmm. that I'm going to be more active with my art, and sometimes mm-hmm. with my music, and with the release of an album that takes a considerable amount of time. So, the art and, and, to go and energy. And resources. Yeah. (laughs) So that goes on the back burner. And then I have an organizing shop as well, which last year during the pandemic, as there was a little bit of a lull, even though it was a very, it was a, it was an intense year as an artist, which we can talk about later if there's time. Mm -hmm. But I've always wanted to learn about organizing and how Mm -hmm. to bring order and beauty Mm -hmm. to to my home and uh, how to learn to prioritize and how to basically physically manage an environment mm. bring calm and joy and beauty and so i was able what to made do you,
0: that why what kind of chaos were you living in before that did that desire or maybe it was actually it's probably a like a quality of the spirit that was coming through but what Prompted that. I've always been organized,
1: but I wanted to learn, not always. I was probably, since I got married, I could tell that there was something within me that I wanted my environment to be beautiful and orderly for the kids. And yeah, I remember making bins for them and labeling this was for Legos and this was for blocks. And so that when they would tidy up, they would know where to place things. Yeah. And as adults, we need the same thing. We need to know everything has a home. And so that came early on. I think going back to my parents' home and helping my mom organize her kitchen and Mm. my sister organizing her closet, I could see that it was helping other people. This Mm. was before I learned about organizing. And then I thought, well, let me make, let me formalize this and Mm. see if I can teach others what I've learned. And I had no idea how deep it goes, how much psychology mm. is involved. Why mm. do we let, why do we hold on to things and why mm. is it so hard to let go of other things? Yes. And people share so much of their personal lives. Yeah. It's like therapy. It's straight up therapy. It really is So I've really enjoyed getting to know clients and friends mm. who I help a much deeper level through organizing and just helping them break those barriers to how to live a simpler life with more joy and more meaning. And also in the Baha'i Writings, it talks about the importance of order and cleanliness. And the influence
0: that has on the spirit
1: and environment and exactly. So it's all tied together. And I think. Beauty is probably the word that I that comes to mind when I that ties everything together. There's so much beauty in art mm. through the color music. and the music and the melodies and the writings. Mm. That's such a privilege to be able to set the Baha'i writings to music. Mm. I can't even tell you what a blessing that is. It brings me to tears just thinking about the privilege that I get to do that on a daily basis, whenever I want mm-hmm. So, and then with organizing, icing uh, beauty and uh, all the items that I try to create, bring upliftment and beauty as well. Like a prayer book is adorned with a silk prayer cover, prayer book cover. So when you touch it to pray, you are physically feeling joy this beautiful and the color and the beauty of the surface
0: hmm. and
1: inside my prayer book I actually also put a lot of different pictures of Apple Baha or the holy places so that it's adorned also with images next to the prayers hmm. so I, I think I'm just a very visual person and that uplifts me
0: yeah so you were saying you learned how to do this organizing <laughs> like what was it
1: a course an an online course for a few months yeah
0: wow is this Marie Kondo's like Japanese way of tidying up by any chance
1: no it's not I wanted to take her course she's good but first of all it's really expensive yes but secondly (laughs) you have to complete several stages your whole home has to be in complete order before you uh, can take the course yeah
0: Oh, wow. You can't even take the... Oh, yeah. You have to prove. You have to prove your house is in order. You have to send pictures to her? Yeah, you have to send
1: pictures.
0: (laughs) That's insane. So I actually learned about order and appreciating all this from reading her book. And Mm. I did also, like, everything that you just said, like, noticing how it changed your life and stuff. That probably prompted me to actually become a therapist because Mm. exactly what you just said. Like, everything should have a home... And all the things that I had, and I moved, I think, in f- to four countries in three years. And I was logging like four suitcases with me. And at one point, I literally went to one of the countries to get my stuff and bring it back. And then it- then I Marie condoed it. And basically I just got rid of everything. And then my and then I started doing my kitchen and my roommates were like, oh my God. <laughs> and then they did it a little bit or they benefited from me getting rid of my stuff and they took all of it but yeah it's that's one thing that has always been consistent with with wherever I go like I continue that I like Marie Kondo my parents house (laughs) or my now that I'm staying at my brother's house like I'm doing this house too actually probably not here this house is pretty good in terms of there's no not much clutter it could actually use it could have some more things in it um But yeah, so you have the organizing thing. So now you have clients with that. So tell me a little bit about the whole... Okay, so essentially how we started getting close is essentially me struggling with starting my business. And then I don't even know how it started. Do you remember how it started? But I remember us talking and then me really relying on you for so many things. So yeah, I want you to tell us more about... Things that people don't know that goes on in the background of you like creating an album. There's a lot of work that goes with it. Like I remember, I think I don't know if it was me suggesting or like, I was just asking you like questions about your album. And oh, this person was on your album. How did that go? Or what was the collaboration like? And like, oh, it's can anyone just come on your album and just like, do a collaboration with you? And then you were sharing like the whole backstory of like how much resources, time and energy it goes into all these things. And so could you share with the audience who only get to enjoy your music, but don't know what goes into you creating
1: like an album? There's so many different angles to look at it. Do you mean from the aspect of composing and releasing a song or the resources that go into it or the Every
0: the way like the composing is one I think people know you have to do that but then after the composing who do you send it to what happens how long does it take how much does it cost and thereafter what happens and then what happens after that and then more things that happen after that so
1: it an album for example can take for me and maybe I should say personally because for everybody it's different on average it takes a couple of years to to create an album with 10 to 12 songs this year for the centenary of the passing of abdul baha like the divine mystery i think we started about yeah it took a year it took about a year so if i have a goal that i have to it is not going to yeah. wait yeah, yeah the deadline exactly. is not cuz not yeah. going to change then i have to start early enough and give myself time so from the beginning the composition i have a humble studio so i would i would choose well before the composition i you think of the theme of the album and then the writings and that takes some time and i like to involve friends on my music mailing list so this time I actually asked my subscribers I said please share your favorite passage from Abdu'l-Baha with me
0: oh nice and
1: then I would copy and paste them into an excel sheet so that and I received so many responses it was so beautiful to. and I think others also they appreciated it that I was involving the friends I genuinely wanted to know and uh, so after I compiled the quotes, then I went through and I picked those that resonated with me. And, and then trying to remember, so let's take one song. I would compose a melody to words that would speak to me. I think the first melody was actually for blessings upon you. It's the quote where Abdul Baha says at all times, do I speak of you and call you to mind? And so I wanted to start the album with Abdul Baha saying these words that he's calling us to, to he's calling us to mind and he asks God to rain down all his blessings upon us. I thought oh what a wonderful way to feel like you're blessed when you yeah. listen to the first song that you're yeah. blessed and, and that we're on his mind and that we're in his heart sets you on that journey. After I put a melody down it's usually a rough melody to a tempo and then I'll send it off to my producer who lived in Beijing at the time. Now he's back in Canada. He goes back and forth. But we first started working together long distance. I'm used to that. And then we'll talk about the arrangement of the song. What kind of instrumentation do we want to use? How many voices? Do we want harmonies? How long should it be? So after we he edits it and gives me a plate to sing on, then I'll start working on the final vocals. Oh? But I sometimes my demo vocals sometimes I use those as my final vocals because something very magical happens mm. when you're singing when I'm singing the word of God for the first time. There's this energy and inspiration that is very mysterious very ethereal very magical it's very hard to describe Mm. what what happens there's an excitement that i'm expressing this creativity Mm. i'm trying to be this pure channel for god to work through and express this melody and Mm. this and so my voice there's an emotion that comes through when i sing mm. it for the first time and oftentimes when i try to recreate that it's very mm-hmm. difficult yeah i have to work at it for a couple of hours to get the tone mm. in my voice back mm. because when you're repeating some something over and over sometimes you lose the emotion or you, it, it's easy to get tech, just think about the technicality and not to think about the words and the meaning so sometimes you know, there's a disconnect the, the ego gets in mm. the way and you really need mm. to let go and allow yourself to just remember to why you're doing this and let that inspiration pass through and when that happens there's Magic. the only thing i can equate it to is preying on turning it up full volume so then that's the easy part because then the producer has to edit it And we'll add instrumentation. Sometimes I'll wait till I receive the full instrumentation. Waves of one Sea, where we had this feeling of orchestration. There was so much going on in that song with six languages. And then we had a cello and a melodium from France. And we had all sorts of cultural instruments, pipa and arhu from China. And Mm. when you hear those sounds... It's much Mm. easier to feel the song on a much deeper level and let go. So it depends on the song. That song took about a year. I think that song took a year to to (laughs) create. We actually created it twice because we finished it and then we shared it with a producer that we greatly respect and he gave some wonderful suggestions. So we upped the volume on that one.
0: And you Um, went back and you edited it.
1: And we went back my dear producers just spent
0: hours
1: on it and by the end i think he just couldn't hear it anymore because he'd worked (laughs) so long on it and then the video yeah the video also took some time uh, that a friend of mine created and then having the 240 participants all of that took so much coordination and organization and receiving videos from people all over the world which probably like each one, maybe 200 megabytes. I had to download and then send them to the producer, send them to the videographer. It was quite a task. So yeah, after recording and editing, then there's mastering where you want to make sure that the volumes are on equal level of the voice and the instrumentation. And then you have to think of the design and the cover art and is it going to be a physical package? And if mm. you make a CD, are people going to have CD players to listen to? This time I yeah. didn't. Yeah. make a CD, and
0: it was just a scan code. That was like straight up
1: uh, technology. Yeah, but
0: there were some friends who were
1: disappointed, who that are there used wasn't to a CD?
0: yeah,
1: yeah, because they're used to having a CD player and listening with CDs. Mm. And so, next time I do it, I will definitely do a hybrid of maybe on-demand CD, digital download codes. But I'm just skimming the surface because one could give a like Mm a five-hour lecture on
0: (laughs) the process from the beginning to end. I feel like a lot of people would actually want to know that. Like they don't know how much time or effort it takes to like do these things like just even the downloading and uploading i can relate to yeah. that from the bicentenary meditation project there were so yeah. many different types of apps we dropbox we transfer yeah. by drive like all of these things that like we had to figure out like what was the fastest because there was just so much stuff yeah. that was coming through there is
1: there there's so many little decisions to make about like even a piano note that I, because I can edit when I play on the piano, when I record on the piano, mm. I can edit a note to move it a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left. Is it in rhythm? How loud is it compared to the next note? Oh, that note was so loud, it's grating on my ears. So I need to, and that's just one note out of hundreds of notes. Wow. So it's easier when I do po- spontaneous piano pieces mm-hmm. where I just press record and I'll play whatever comes to my heart without practicing it beforehand. Mm. And usually I'll do that for someone who has passed on or who's about mm. to pass. I think of their soul and their character. And then I press record and play what comes and it is unbelievable what happens because you i feel almost like my fingers are being guided in that process to play a particular melody and uh, and then after i finish recording that maybe i'll change a note or two but really the left the essence of that is is left pure and i'm What did I want to share with you? Yeah, it's just an awesome experience.
0: Can you share with us the experience, the specific experience with your uncle or your friend? Sure,
1: sure. With my uncle, he was in his last few days in the hospital. And I remember my cousin, me. we think he might be going today at some point where he's on his way. And so I felt inspired to go to the piano at that time and think of my uncle and said a prayer for him and then i played what came to my heart spontaneously and uh, it's also a very emotional experience because you don't understand how the soul works but i feel like we are connected and we're told that they are closer to us than our life vein. what does that mean that just that gives me goosebumps thinking about it so When I composed that piece spontaneously and I finished it, and I told my cousin about it, and she said, You would not believe later on, she wrote to me, she said, You would not believe that. No, sorry. She told me her father had passed. And then we figured out that he had passed at pretty much the exact moment that I was composing this piece for him. Hmm. And so I just find it unbelievable that maybe he his soul was guiding and inspiring the melody. Hmm. And so they played it at the funeral and they played it, they play it to call him to mind. I still play it to to call him to mind. But interestingly, with these pieces that are spontaneous, I have to go back and relearn them. Because Hmm. it's, it comes it goes so the fact that i'm able to record it and then listen to it and learn how what did i do here and what (laughs) melody did i create there i have to learn it as though it's someone else's piece
0: Mm. that
1: i'm relearning so yeah i did that for my mother-in-law as well it's called final journey and they're all very particular melodies i think that are linked in some way i don't know how to to Mm. those souls but they're very special experiences
0: I remember like listening to the piece of your uncle on Instagram like he was like a video recording and I hear your stuff all the time so I'm like very it's like almost in me it's like melodies that I grew up with and know and I sing and like all of these things but that song I remember like it was in the middle of my day and I was like scrolling through and it I stopped. I stopped to listen to that and it, I could feel it that it's different. And it was, I don't want to say next level, but it was other level, a level of mm. another dimension. Mm. So yeah, it's it must be nice to be a conduit for those moments too. When they come. Yeah, it's actually
1: a way of grieving it allows with the process of grieving so when a very close friend of mine passed in 2016 I also composed a piece for her after she passed it's called waltzing in heaven and I didn't know but her husband said she loved to waltz and he had a dream of her dancing and so we were sharing how We were all connected somehow. Yeah, and so when I shared this for them, they had buried her. She was Israeli, a very close Mm -hmm. friend. Our children grew up together. When I shared the music with the children, because they were quite young, an 11-year-old and teens, they, I think it was the first time they really allowed themselves to grieve and cry and let the emotion out and feel connected with, with her through the music. So they were telling me that it helped them heal and it helped them mm. call her to, to mind when mm. they would listen to the music mm. and same for me. When I play her piece waltzing in heaven, at first I would cry. In the first year I would play it. I always cried playing it. Now I play it with joy. I play it. I feel she's close. Like she's, she's right there when I play it. So music has an amazing power to transform and to connect and to heal.
0: It's so interesting. I had an experience, actually, I'm not a musician of any sorts, but I had a experience where I went to this fair, this mind-body-spirit fair, and somebody, I was having this conversation with somebody and the person next to the booth was like, oh, do you want to do whatever I was doing? And she, what she did was she took a pendulum, like sort of thing. I think it was a, called a pendulum. And she would just put it over across people's names, like saints and sages and stuff like that. And she asked me, do you want to do this? And I had no idea what she was doing the only thing that allowed me to be okay with what she was saying, she said, but I need your permission first before I do it. So I was like, whatever she's about to do, I trust her because she asked for permission first, because sometimes these spiritual woo woos, they just go at it. And she was hovering over a name of a person named Yogananda. And I was the only yoga teacher among us three who were there Mm. and they both and I was like who is Yogananda and they both looked at me like you're the yoga teacher how do you not know this and so I did not know and the first thing and then they say how many messages do you have for Nahal it's like three and the first message was you need to teach you need to talk about prayer in your yoga classes you need to teach people about prayer about the power of prayer and I was like, I don't know who this guru is, but he's on to something. I'm like, whoever he is, like, I didn't know at that point who he was. Now I know a lot about him. But at that time, I was like, I didn't know who he was. So I was like, all right, I have respect for you, guru. Okay, tell me your other two messages. And the second was like that you need to do the type of Kriya, like Kriya yoga, the type of yoga that he did. And then the third, I can't even remember. But ever since he said that, every class... I start teaching yoga, I always chant a prayer before. So you know how in yoga there's always like the sound of Om or like mm-hmm. something. I'm always like chanting a prayer first. So I'm like getting everyone to sit down, close their eyes, get centered. I chant a prayer. Most of the times it's yours. And then I begin to start teaching the physical yoga postures. I always start any live class chanting a prayer. And not only that, like I notice how I feel like I don't have a like, great phenomenal voice, but I have the type of voice that can really penetrate your soul. I don't think sound tone wise, it's that great. Like it's, You have a lovely I, voice. I've I can heard sing, you sing a tune. I can sing a tune, but I feel like the power is the spirit behind it. That is more like, I, because I always ask for spirit to, to help me like, influence others like for it to be impactful like for it to affect them for it just to be like the soul to just go straight to them and then so that they can feel it but yeah it's it's really interesting how music can really uplift even though like you get to experience it a lot but also for me like not being a musician but even just carrying your songs to other people in my yoga classes like people hear it and they hear the melody and i can see what it the impact that it has on them and you do Mm -hmm. have a very like ethereal voice so it's like literally straight like a highway Mm -hmm. to heaven right there thank you for just providing so many resources for not only the baha'i community but now the yoga community (laughs) everyone like so many people get to hear your songs Mm -hmm. and your voices and so keep doing what you're doing please we can't have like We we will not get sick of it and and there's all the writings to make music too. So please do continue on behalf of the joy of our spirits to connect us with a higher realm. And I wanted to ask you you if there's any final things, anything that you wanted to share with the audience. I was just thinking
1: I was just one I was you were saying what other things do I do? I was just realizing that I've started learning how to make videos and now that I've finished the album, each of the songs come with a video, and the reason I wanted to do and it's that, on YouTube, and it's on and YouTube. It's on YouTube, yeah. And the reason I wanted to do that is because the word of God with a melody is mm-hmm. very uplifting and powerful, and when you pair those thing the, mm-hmm. pair those two with a visual,
0: mm-hmm. with
1: visual content. Just add. then it, it adds even another layer of beauty. Wow. and And also because everybody's been, a lot of communities have had to use Zoom. So mm-hmm. I felt that would be a wonderful service to be able to create videos as well. So I've loved this process of I'm just scratching the surface now, but learning how to create these. And so I'm taking a bit of a break from the music, but the video making... Art has been whispering to me to start up on the art again. So everything's in cycles. So, but yeah, final thoughts, just such a blessing to, to be able to create. We're all creatives. And when we use that gift, we use it in different ways. And I think it's so important, especially now when there's so much suffering and crises, Creativity is a way out of the mud and the dirt, and it rises us up to a different level of consciousness. Mm. So when we tap into that, I would just encourage friends to to find what it is that they love to do creatively and tap into it because it Mm. uplifts and it nurtures the soul and uh, it nurtures uh, us and others around us when Mm -hmm. we're able to share it with others. So that's my goal, really, is just to uplift and bring people's souls hopefully closer to their beloved. That's all I could hope for in life. And it becomes clear and clear. And sometimes we get distracted with all the things that bombard us during the day and all the things we need to do but at the end of the day if we've brought joy to someone's soul that day that's what matters and so that's what i've been trying to remember rather than Mm. get bogged down with social media this or (laughs) or that which sometimes happens because we're human i try to remind myself what ultimately matters is if we've brought joy and upliftment to another soul today.
0: Well, I, for a fact, know that my nephew, I think he is, I'm pretty sure this is your CD. You've made a children's song cd and that's his favorite and we recently had a family crisis talking about like one of the kids broke the cd and they're like where can we get the cd this is one that they listen to every night before they go to bed like we we were just talking about oh my god where can we get the cd and thankfully the cd was even with wreckage it was still It could still play but yeah like i know if not other people and this is just one example like of someone like listening to your cd every single day like some people would not be able to like live life without Elica's music so it's i would think that i think not enough people tell you that or sometimes it's so ingrained in their lives that they just they don't even know that like it would that kind of information would bring you joy. So if anyone who's listening to this podcast hears this and you listen, you clearly listen to Elka's music, go on her social medias and drop her a note and let her know how much her music has influenced and impacted your life. Because just me sharing how it's impacted my life with her, she gets so happy and I'm like, doesn't everyone say this to you? And she's like, No, like like it's always nice to hear it, which I'm sure, but I feel like not enough people like take that step
1: can i say that one the one song that i'm most proud of and that i do receive those comments for i don't know You won't guess it's the long healing prayers set to yeah. music yeah. and i am just in awe of how we know it has a power We know that this prayer is precious. And there this one mother, I'll just tell a quick story of this one mother who was telling me that she was listening to it in the waiting room as she was, as her four-month-old daughter was having heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And I and she was writing and just feeling so appreciative because it was the only thing that was keeping her together. So that piece is just the most. Precious, I think. Also, the longest, nineteen minutes long. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I do. Uh, appreciation is not important, but of course, it's appreciated. actually. I would like
0: to differ. <laughs> so, ladies, if you guys are listening to this, I can just say that both Elika and I appreciate you for listening to this, and we know and we appreciate you for just like raising your babies. Because that's a service to the world, and we thank you for doing that. And so, for yeah. sure,
1: for sure. Mm. most commendable, yeah, motherhood. Let's hardest, end on that hardest, yeah, hardest job and most. Yeah, you need to. Yeah, you need to be organized. You need to have all of those qualities. We could go on and on the I know we could.
0: <laughs> we <do. laughs> that's true. Thank you so um, much for having me. Thank you for coming on and making time for us in the evening. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And we're so excited to start the Bliss series. And we've we you kicked us off on that. So that's really exciting. So if you wanted to leave any comments for Elika, or actually, this is something I probably should have mentioned in the beginning, is whenever we have a YAM podcast, we like to include you in our conversations and we want to hear your comments as we're having it so please head over to the website www.yogaavacmod.com forward slash yam blog, and in the episode with Elika Manny guys it's Manny okay with Elika Manny you're in, the, in that blog, on the comment section, you can just comment on any parts that you didn't know about Elk. I'm sure that this was like a behind the scenes and be like, oh my God, one of my favorite musicians. Like, I didn't know all this stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and thank we will you. see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you June. Take good care. Bye. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode with elicomani we really hope that this was somewhat helpful for you to be thinking about all right all right if i'm thinking of starting a business like what's it gonna take how am i gonna go about doing it and let us know let the yam podcast know if you found this series interesting or something that fits your need because we want to know we don't know whether or not this is something that you'd be into but we definitely want to hear what you have to say about it and whether or not you think we should continue to provide episodes like this that talk about women who have started businesses let us know what type of businesses and stuff like that and we can think about people and if there's anyone that you're like we want you to interview this person then please email at yogiavecmoi at gmail.com yogi is spelled y-o-g-i a-V-E-C-M-O-I at gmail.com. It's going to be in the show notes somewhere. So definitely check it out. And do come join us on the blog and let us know whether or not you also know how to chant Elika Manny's songs. Which one's your favorite? Do comment in the blog below. I'm sure she's going to love it. You know, People think they get a lot of praise, but, you know, we enjoy in silence. And it's a whole other level when you actually go up to her and tell her which song means a lot to you, which song you have on repeat, which song is a song that your child really likes. Those kind of things like really mean a lot to her, and nobody can really hear enough of that. So do go and just leave her a love fest praise at the yam podcast blog comments because she's probably gonna read it and she's going to enjoy it so let her know how much her music means to you go on her youtube channel she puts in a lot of work in her videos i personally know the behind the scenes how hard she's worked and i'm so impressed with how she's like willing to learn everything it takes to share her music so It's really impressive do go check her music out there's a lot of free stuff online and yeah check out her website as well she has like 13 albums it's crazy how many songs this woman has produced for the enjoyment of the world so do check it out and i will see you in the next episode